Hello and welcome to the all new, all different number one comics podcast episode number 46. 45 more times. That's it. 45 more. There we go. I'm Dan. That's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. We are a comic book podcast and each and every episode we take a look at a brand new first issue comic book, break down the story and art, give it somewhat of a review and let you know if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. We also talk a little bit of comic book and related news as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. Bob, this week, tell the listeners what we're talking about. We're covering from Dark Horse Comics Lunar Lodge. You know, Bob, I'm kind of excited because Dark Horse is like one of those publishers. I feel like they're kind of like an underdog or something because every time we end up with one of their books, I'm like, oh, yeah, Dark Horse. (laughs) And then, I mean, I have to say, like, I usually end up really liking them, too. Like, I I, there's not really much I can think that Dark Horse put out where I'm like, "Ah, that wasn't really good or, or whatever. Like, they seem to have pretty high quality stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I guess... I, I, I don't know what your thoughts on are on it. You don't know what my thoughts are, so we'll see if that happens again here or not. But, uh, yeah, uh, cool that we're doing a Dark Horse book again, especially here towards the end of the year. We're yeah. almost at the end of the year wrap-up, so yeah. good to get another Dark Horse book in there for that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with some comic book news. And we are back with episode number 46 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. If you're drinking, that's only two times that I said uh, episode number 46. So you got a lot more to go, but We're Bob's not already very drinking. Yeah, I was going to say Bob's already drunk. So, you know, that's <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun, fun stuff. Uh, Bob, let's let's talk some news. There's. I don't know. There's not really news per se. I, I would say news is like a, a stretch, but that Rob Liefeld, Captain America, Heroes Reborn cover that I was Ooh, telling you about um, a few episodes ago that, that we talked about some here. So that heritage auction, you know, ended, I guess, in between, you know, the last episode and this episode, of course. But right. I just... <laughs> I, I can't overstate the fact how much this uh, original art sold for $132,000. So, so <laughs> what uh, What were our guesses again? Oh, we were like so low. I mean, did, didn't we say like we didn't think it was going to climb over 20 or something like oh, that? Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I want to say I think we landed on like 14 or something. I, yeah. I thought that we were very, very low. Yeah. 132. So that just, I mean, it, it's so weird because I will say this. I mean, Rob Liefeld has a reputation. Of course, we all know that. It's 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 a thing, you know, whatever. Um, we're not going to downplay the fact that people make fun of Rob Liefeld's art, especially, especially that cover. It's, it's iconic for all the wrong reasons. It's definitely not a cover that people ever go to and say that's their favorite cover, their favorite depiction of Captain America or anything like that. Uh, for those of you who don't have time to Google it or or whatever, it's a very insanely broad-chested Captain America. And when I say insanely broad-chested, <laughs> I mean imagine a typical chest and then times that by 150. It's Ma- just, <laughs> just imagine um, Captain America... With the Hulk's chest. Yeah. Um, 
but like a roided out Hulk too. Right. Like it's, <laughs> it's an intense chest. If, um, if, if, if you can imagine that. Yeah, if you can. Yeah, exactly. If you can imagine that. Um, but yeah, it's it's iconic for, for other reasons. And I just, I'm wondering who and why, you know, uh, is, is it, some like insane, super huge Rob Liefeld fan out there who just has to have it. Is it some really big Captain America fan who just uh, collects original, you know, Captain America art and, and had to grab it? Who picked this well, thing hopefully up? Hopefully, it's not a Captain America fan, or else <laughs> he should have his fan card taken away. Yeah, fan card revoked. Oh, <laughs> here we are, the fan police. But yeah, I man, I'd love to know the story behind this. I hope that you know. At some point it comes out, but, you know, being like probably a private collector or whatever, we'll probably never know anything about no. this. But I, I just love to. I think that that's so interesting and intriguing. So, um, yes, uh, that has sold for 132000 Bob, the other uh, news that I'm going to go into before my last piece of news, because, again, there's just a very small amount here today. Mm -hmm. And, Bob, as you know, you know I'm going to stumble on these names here. We've got three names. I'll be able to say all the first names fine, all the last names not going to not gonna make it. Okay. But we've got some Superman legacy castings. I don't know if you saw these or not. I did. I yeah, did. we've got Skylar Jasondo. I'll go with, I don't know, uh, cast as Jimmy Olsen. And l let me pull this up here because I'm not super familiar with any of these actors. I'm, no, um, well, I mean, except for uh, Lex Luthor. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, he he's like the dude that played Beast in the X-Men, right. first right. class stuff, right. yeah. Okay, but, yeah, um, the, let's see, the um, Skyler Gisando will be playing... Jimmy Olsen and Skyler had previously been in the series, the Santa uh, Clarita diet. If, if you're familiar with that, I remember that being on Netflix. I never watched it. it looked like something. Um, and uh, he was also in righteous gems. If you've seen that, I've not seen either one of those. So I don't know, but it's saying here that that's good because he's capable of handling both comedy and serious at the same time. So I guess, you know, that's, that's probably good for Jimmy Olsen. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it surprises me because these, these people look so young, but then I'm like, wait, I'm like a 40 year old guy. So I get it. You know, <laughs> uh, we, we definitely don't need, you know, a senior citizen. Plus, I, plus, I mean, if they, if they want to, they want to try to do like the sure, MCU yeah. <laughs> and if the if the DCU actually goes that far and doesn't get rebooted for what the fifth sixth time, Bob, what are the chances? What are the chances here that we see a sequel to this Superman movie ever? Like if you had to if you had to bet on it, what would the chances be? The chances of the Superman Legacy movie, yeah, like having a sequel and these characters coming back or, or anything like that. I don't know, because as far as DC goes, low. <laughs> yeah, the track record. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I don't think... I'm sorry, guys. I just... I don't I don't think James Gunn is going to make that big of a difference. I just don't see it. Uh, but but whatever. May, I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Um, next up, Nicholas Holt is what I'm going to go with. As Lex Luthor. Yes. Lex Luthor. Um, and Nicholas has... I don't know. He's He's been in things like a movie called The Great... Not anything I've ever heard of. Also, The Menu, which is a movie I've heard of, but I've not seen. 
So if you're noticing a trend here, here's things that I've not seen. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, but I mean, it, you know, if you're a comic book movie fan, you, yeah. you're definitely familiar. Yeah, he he I played mean, he played Beast. Yeah, he's most famous for playing uh, Beast from the first class movies. Yes. And now this last, I, I'm not even gonna lie here. This last character, I don't even know who the character is. I've never heard of her in my life. Um, all I all I know is um, from you know the cartoons and some of the animated movies mm -hmm. they're making. And actually, I mean she's a, she's a character in the uh, Superman volume that we're currently reading. Oh, okay. She's um, the female assistant who, you know, basically runs. What is it? Uh, Superman Incorporated. Oh, okay, somehow I, I must have missed her name or something. Right. Uh, well, you're, yeah. So this is uh, Sarah Sampano, I, I guess that's what I'll go with. As Eve, Bob. Now help me with Eve's last name. How how do I pronounce that? Tessmacher. 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 Okay. As Eve Tessmacher. Tessmacher. Uh, yeah. Again, not not super familiar yeah, with, with you the character. Know, sometimes I've seen her portrayed as having like a um, having like a cybernetic arm. Mm -hmm. You know, that looks like a regular human arm, but it has like um, you know weapons built into it. Oh, okay. Now this is saying that uh, her role as Lex Luthor's assistant and sometimes girlfriend. So okay. I guess this is why I don't know much about the character, but yeah, uh, wow. It I, it doesn't say much about the actor, so I'm not sure what she's been in or what else she's done. I, from from what I can gather, I think she's more like a um, you know model. Okay. So I don't I don't really think I think this this may be. I mean, I haven't gone too in depth as to what she's done, but this may be one of her first roles. Okay. Well, I mean, shit, that's a good first role to have. You're in a Superman movie directed by James Gunn. Yeah. So uh, part of the uh, rebooted DC um, extended universe or first round of whatever whatever they're calling this. Uh, yeah, very cool. So, yeah, hopefully that's some good casting. Again, the only person I'm even familiar with is uh, Nicholas Holt as, as Beast. So Yeah, and I, I got to say, I mean, you know, I mean... It's fine. Th those castings are fine. Hopefully they do Lex Luthor justice. But mm -hmm. I think at this point, everybody wants to know who's playing Superman. Oh, yeah. That's going to make or break this. Yeah, movie. it's the most important thing. Exactly. I, I think James Gunn knows that. I think he, hopefully he knows that, you know. Uh, Bob, I think, you know, I've said this before, uh, probably, you know, joking or, or whatever. What are the chances? What are the chances, Bob, that Chris Pratt plays Superman? <laughs> Well, I think I, think I, I heard um, I heard a few rumblings that uh, Nicholas Holt actually auditioned. Yeah, I saw that in the article I was Superman. reading as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then he got cast as Lex Luthor. Uh, so, yeah, uh, interesting. Hopefully he's a better Lex Luthor than Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> oh, God, that was terrible, wasn't it? Man, looked terrible, acted to Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um Okay, well, the last little bit of news, and it's really just rumors, so you know this is not confirmed news by any means, but uh, the rumors are pretty heavy out there saying that uh, the Silver Surfer will be a woman in, in the uh, MCU coming up. So That's going to be a really hot take if that happens. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's happened in the comics before. It has. But it has. So it's not, but the problem is, is so many people are so divorced from what happens in the comics, like the, the people that watch the movies and stuff like that. They just do not understand, 
you know, that things can be different, that there's so many incarnations of these characters and stuff. They just don't get that. And they, all they right. think is, you know, that it's Disney or whoever trying to diversify things. And like, <laughs> no, the comics did that way before Disney did. So, right. um, yeah, uh, whatever. But yeah, I, I do think interesting, you know, interesting as to why, I guess. Uh, why does, I, I'm not sure, but. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens with that. I mean, my whole thing is I don't mind them making characters gender swapping characters. Sure. I don't mind. I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. If well, if the, if they you know get the right person mm-hmm. and if it's a good portrayal. But my thing is because obviously if they're talking about you know making Silver Surfer female, they want to do a female Harold. Mm-hmm. Why not just do Frankie Gray? Yes. Why not? You know, exactly. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're not going to ever get the answer to that question, but it's, it, it would be, I don't know. It would be stupid of me. It would be ignorant of me to say that I don't see any reasoning. I mean, I don't know what the reasoning is, but it almost feels like there's some characters where you just are like, they have to be the way they are, you know? I don't know why I feel that way about Silver Surfer, but I'm like, it, it feels weird. It feels like a weird uh, swing to to make the character female. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll go in with a completely open mind, and if I like the role, if I like the character, whatever, like, I mean, it's not going to bother me that it's a female, of course. I just, you know, don't know what the reasoning is, I guess. But maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe it'll work fine. Who knows? Only time will will tell, and uh, it's it's just an interesting take, I guess. That is true. That is true. <laughs> uh, that's all I have for news, though, Bob. It was a pretty quick news segment, unless you have anything. Well, I just want I just wanted to bring up something that I um you know just saw on one of my uh, comic sites, mm-hmm. you know, very popular comic site, and it's related to you know the rumblings we've heard about. Marvel moving away from Kang as being the big bad, yes, you know, one uh-huh. reason because of, you know, Jonathan Major's ongoing legal troubles. <laughs> they are that. Yeah, amongst other true. things. <laughs> but there's been a lot of rumblings that they're going to finally introduce Doom, Fast Track Doom as the mm-hmm. big bad. Yes. Which, kind of odd right now, considering they haven't even, you know, laid the seeds for, you know, anything Doom related, plus they're going to have to change the movie from the Kang Dynasty to, mm-hmm. you know, something the else. Doom Dynasty? <laughs> yeah, the Doom Dynasty. But there's actually a um, rumor that I'm seeing about um, the top choice to play Doctor Doom mm-hmm. um, is Cillian Murphy. Okay, now, Bob, I'm not familiar with who that is by name, at least. If you've, if you've seen Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, you know Cillian Murphy. Okay. Scarecrow. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Wow. So what? What? So I mean, based on what you saw of him in, as Scarecrow, what do you? How do you think he would do as Doctor Doom? Oh, amazing. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, I can't see. Yeah, I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like a great casting. Uh, yeah, I. Man, I'm so conflicted on all these things because. I feel like since the MCU, since the you know movie universes and stuff are so different from the comics, but so related at the same time, right. 
I feel like I, I feel like I have like you know something in my head that I want, and then I feel like I have like uh, you know what's most likely going to happen. And I want if they're going to use Doom as the next big bad, you know, and they're going to do Doom instead of King and all of that. I would love if they moved Doom away from the Fantastic Four. Just make him a good, uh, like a great. I mean, you know, he can go up against anybody in the, yeah. in the Marvel universe. Doesn't need to be the Fantastic Four. Um, but they're so intertwined together. I would love to see them apart. I would love to see him. Yeah. So instead of just being a Fantastic Four villain, yes, have him just you know show up and say, you know, the rumored Thor Five movie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, let's do that kind of thing. I, I'd love something like that. It, I almost get the same... You know, I, I remember watching all the original X-Men movie of right. co- movies, of course, and, mm-hmm. and all of that, and then the, the first-class stuff and everything, too. But uh, I always feel that way about Magneto. I love Magneto, and X-Men is one of my favorite series of all time. So, of course, I love Magneto with the X-Men. But he's such a cool villain, and he's just so intricate and everything and he has like this cool stuff about him and he's got this personality and everything and i'm like i i want to see him up against some other heroes besides just the x-men like i'd love to see him uh, I, I, don't, I don't know like uh fight spider-man or something for a minute like there's just i'd love to see that that's the kind of stuff like i always thought when i was a kid before all these movies and stuff came out you know I'd love to see this and this. And every now and again, you get like a little bit of crossover, but usually they stay in their respective books or whatever. But Magneto versus the Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, I take it. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see something like that. But I could see that. Yeah, uh, w- would be cool. Uh, either way, that's <laughs> that's all the news we got for you. Yeah, but it's, there it's was some slow. news, you know, so I, I guess you can't say there was none. Yeah. <laughs> last week, last week just stole everything. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, moving forward, we're going to be getting a lot of news. But yeah, for right now, there's not much out there. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be getting um, some more of these. Um, you know, casting news. Hopefully, in the near future, we'll be getting we'll be getting who is playing. Uh, Superman mm-hmm. and you know some of these other characters. I mean, Brainiac is rumored for the Superman Legacy movie. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see who they would, who they would think about getting to play him. Yeah, and announcements and all of that. Like we're we're looking forward to all that. So uh, whenever that news hits, we'll we'll be here to talk about it. But for now, that's that's all we got. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back in a moment to talk about some new comics that dropped in shops this week. And we are back with episode number 46 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. Okay, Bob, <laughs> yeah, um, there's some new comic books that dropped this week in local comic book shops. And I think that we should probably talk about them because that is our job here on the podcast. I was going to say we are a comic book podcast. <laughs> yeah. So talking about comics, probably the best thing to do. Yeah, probably, you know, but I mean, it's so much more fun to talk about uh, give it, Teddy Roxman. I was trying to do a deep pool. <laughs> Man, can you imagine? How about, I mean, if you want deep pool, if you want deep cut, how about Pet Rock? Oh, wow. Yeah, Pet Rock. Hey, uh, yeah. I, I never had one, but yeah. Uh. I, I would, I'm way, I'm, I mean, 
don't get me wrong, I'm getting older. I'm not as young <laughs> as I used to be, but I that was way before my time. Yeah, definitely before both of our time. Um, yes. I like that. I, I like to think that maybe there's like, uh, you know, there's, there's a billion podcasts out there for right. every interest. So right. what are the chances, Bob, that there's like a Pet Rock or a Teddy Ruxpin podcast where that's all they talk about in each episode? I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past... You know, the world. I mean, there's so many people in the world. Sure. And, I mean, podcasts are becoming so popular. Yes. Like you said, I mean, there is pretty much a podcast for everything. Yeah, there really is. (laughs) Uh, That's an interesting thought to ponder. Um, Either way, let's talk about uh, uh, what is our podcast, and that is new comic books and new number ones. And uh, right now we're going to talk about new comic books that are in shops this week of note. So, first off, from Image Comics, we got a second printing. And Bob, I was just telling you the story about this one. <laughs> we got uh, from James Tynan and Martin Simmons, uh, we got the second printing of Dracula, or rather Universal Monsters Dracula number one. And my story here was, you know, I, I, I really liked that first issue and I was excited to pick up the second one. And me being me, you know, I just walk in and just, you know, grab piles of books. I grab a shitload mm-hmm. of books and... Mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention to the issue number. I'm like, okay, Dracula 2 drops this week. Well, Dracula 2 drops in the same week that Dracula 1, the second print, drops. So I've got that. but um, So I will not be able to report on whether issue number 2 is good or not. But I've got a nice, shiny second print if anybody needs one. Yeah. So, yeah, that dropped this I week. I smell hashtag. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. Hashtag all new, all different nation. Um, there was a really cool cover for this one. Uh, not the one that I got, but there was one that was inspired by DC gothic horror romance titles from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Looks really cool. Not the one I picked up, but well, moving on. Uh, from Mad Cave Studios, we got Eden Frost, number one. This one tells the story of, after losing their parents, uh, teenage siblings Alex and Yuli... I guess is the name. Uh, use the mystical power of a golem to survive the chaos of the Russian Civil War. That sounds so interesting. Interesting and cool. I just hope it's not that, like, you know what that, like, regular golem looks like? Like, with the weird, like, hair, like the triangle hair? I wonder if this one's got that hair. That, well, this is Russian, so probably not, huh? No, probably. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's, like, some other kind of golem. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, from Dark Horse... Much like the book we're covering today, Lunar Lodge, uh, we got a new number one called Mortal Terror. This one's about vampires living in underground London trying to keep the undead city safe from the rumored mortals above who seek to give them life only to kill them. Bob, that would suck, wouldn't it? Like you're, <laughs> They, they want to keep you alive so they can kill you. Uh, right, yeah. Kind of... Kind of has some parallels with... Well, anyways, we won't get political, well, but... It's yeah. kind of like the food industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like all that factory farming that's going yeah. on. Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, how about Distillery, Bob? Our newest publisher on the list. They've only, what, like three titles so yeah. far? Yeah, I, I remember Jock did Gone, and there was one before that, but I can't remember that one. But this one is Somna. I'm going to say is the title here. Mm-hmm. This one is, uh, I know Tulilote worked on it. Uh, Tulilote and Becky Cloonan. So Becky Cloonan, Tulilote both writing and Tulilote on art. So you know it's at the very least gonna look and read amazing right. because the <laughs> they, right. it's gonna be it's gonna be a very pretty well read book. Yeah, I mean they're both so good at what they do, and 
I mean, remember uh, Barnstormers? I really didn't love the story, but the art in it was amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. Tula Lote is great at, at art. Uh, amazing. Uh, this one is set during the time of the witch hunts in the 1600s, and the series follows one woman's descent into a erotic escape from the confines of her... Uh, uh, what's that word, Bob? Puritanical. Uh, puritanical. That's how I say it. God, I, I love it that you're here. World. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta say, it's just something about that description, it's, it, it just feels off for me. Yeah, it's... You know, erotic escape. I don't know what the hell that means. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I mean. Tune in to find out. But it is Tula Lote, and she does, <laughs> she can paint some pretty risque things. So um, That I will give you. Yeah. Uh, but beautifully done risque things. So, right, right. You know, not in bad taste at all, but, you know, uh, maybe don't, you know, buy it for children. <laughs> right. Don't read it in front of your kids. Don't yeah, let them see it. Probably not. I, that reminds me of, this was a long time ago now, but I, I remember uh, a while back whenever Fifty Shades of Grey was first coming out. And I remember hearing this lady talk on a podcast. I, I forget what the theme of the podcast was, but they were talking about something. And they were talking about being on the subway. And the guy chimed in with, uh, he was like, you know, it was terrible. I was on the subway. There's this guy sitting there reading Fifty Shades of Grey and, and then he's like, all of a sudden I glance over and he has oh, um, no. arisen. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, no. Yeah. You Just know, imagine how terrible that would be. You know, and I, 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 I did, I did, I have heard that about that. Not, not to go off on another, another tangent. Well, to go off on another Bob, that's tangent. what the listeners tune in for. It's all good. Yeah. So, uh, and I remember hearing this and one of my friends said the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you've read the if you've read the Fifty Shades books, and then you watch the movies, it's kind of like, man, the books are so much better because they <laughs> they just go in so much deeper. No pun intended. Whoa! <laughs> I, you no know, pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I tried to watch that first movie. I, it really wasn't for me, but I definitely didn't read any books, so I, I don't know. Uh, that That's uh, no judgment to anybody who, who likes those things, but it just wasn't for me. Um, I'm also, I would say, what's the, what's that lead actor's name? Um, her name is, uh, I can't think of it now, but she's the Madam Web girl. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson, that's right. Um, yeah, I was, I was almost kind of I, I was almost kind of disappointed in the casting decision until I saw that trailer uh, where I was like I don't really want the Fifty Shades of Grey girl you know to, to be Madame Webb but she's she's great in the trailer so I have a lot of faith in her now but uh, but getting back to <laughs> tangent uh, through now but uh, over to Image Comics we've got the Holy Roller issue number one of course we talked about this one uh, last week Bob this one's Written by Rick Mermender, but also with uh, Andy Samberg and uh, Bob. I, I don't have the information from me, but one of the guys from Fallout Boy. I, I don't know. One of the guys from Fallout Boy also worked on this book. I'm not sure if he had art duty or if he was uh, assisting in writing or what. But this book, this the description reads to care for his ailing father a pro bowler is forced to quit his dream job and return to his hometown which he soon discovers has been overrun by neo-nazis 
and he battles them with his bowling ball. So I can't, I mean, I know it sounds goofy as hell, but I mean, don't it's we... It's partially written by Andy Samberg. Yeah, but don't we want to see some dude beat up Nazis with a bowling ball? Because I sure as hell do. And I want it to get gory as hell. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like this. You know, and I think I think I mentioned it on last week last week's podcast, but it's given me um, the character from Mystery Men. Yeah, you know the bowler. Yep. But you know, in, instead of over the top villains, she fights neo Nazis with a bowling ball. <laughs> I just I love it, Bob, because I think that I. I now, sadly, I can't say everybody, mm-hmm. but I think that most people really, really don't like Nazis. Um, I know I can speak for you and I when I say we really do not like Nazis. No. So, um, sorry if that alienates alienates any of the audience. I mean, good riddance. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, I we are not in support of Nazis or neo-Nazis. So no. this just sounds like a lot of fun and I, I want to see some Nazi being so I'm, I'm good with this uh, but next up from DC Comics we've got Batman Off World number one a young Batman faces an alien threat for the first time in his superhero career and we also get the first appearance of Lone a some kind of alien Tamaranian Tamaranian wow Bob so basically basically a male version of Starfire Oh, okay. Is that what a Tamaranian is? Right. Oh, okay. Well, you'd think I'd pay closer attention, but... Well, Starfire and her sister, Blackfire. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, same with DC. We've got Superman, issue number eight, the conclusion of the chained conflict. So that's going to conclude here, and, and I guess uh, issue nine will go into a different story. Also from DC, we've got Titans, Beast World, Evolution 1, reprinted Beast Boy origin stories from Teen Titans 5, Tales of the New Teen Titans 3, and Action Comics 1051. It's a character I'm not too familiar with. Yeah, uh, Beast Boy. From Marvel Comics, a new number one, Carnage, issue number one, the premiere issue of a new ongoing series to lay the groundwork for the next Venom epic. Can't wait, Bob. We also get... Daredevil Black Armor, number one, a four-issue limited series by DG, uh, someone who introduced the Black Armor suit in Daredevil 321 back in 1993. I think I've seen the Black Armor suit. Mm -hmm. Of course, I never read the issue that it was introduced in. Sure. Bob, I'd love to pull out this book, but I'd have to (laughs) to get down to my uh, Marvel statue. I was going to say... Yeah, I grabbed the Howard the Duck cover, um, so <laughs> so that's the the one I ended up with. But yeah, I was I was excited about that. Um, yeah, and speaking of, you know, I also picked up an, another copy of Spider Man number one, oh, wow. but it was the gold cover, so I had to. Uh, mm, nice. Yeah, don't don't ask me why, but you know we do things here, so mm. so whatever. Uh, we also got Incredible Hulk number six. Now, Bob, this is one that I picked up a few copies of. Mm-hmm. I also picked up the Incentive. Because it's got the first appearance of a spirit of vengeance from a century ago. I don't know. I really love uh, the the Ghost Rider stuff. Um, I really love the introduction of the new Ghost Riders and 
spirit of vengeance and all that. So I, I don't know. I thought this would be a good long-term hold. So grabbed a few A covers, grabbed a B cover, grabbed the incentive. That's that's what I did. And then next week when the second printing comes out, he's not going to know. It's oh, God. Yeah, I'll end up with the second, second printing, printing the first and, issue. Yeah, it'll happen again. The cycle will repeat itself. <laughs> Uh, also from Marvel, we got Marvel Superhero Secret Wars Battle World Number One. Tom DeFalco returns to the 1984 Secret Wars series to tell an untold story set in this time frame. What could have happened, Bob, that we didn't know about before back in 1984? I, I guess we'll have to. Why is Spider-Man suit alive? <laughs> oh God! And rounding us off, we have X-Men 141, a facsimile reprinting. Of X Men One Forty One. See, I, uh, I'm sorry, but I don't feel like this comic needed a facsimile. I agree with you. I'm. You I'm, know, I mean, there have been some facsimiles, like um, what is it, Omega Men Number Three. Yep. Um, this comic. I know there's <laughs> been a couple of others, but I can see making the facsimile if, you know, nobody's going to be able to get like the like. Effectively, Fantastic Four number one yeah. or X Men number one. You know, a comic nobody's gonna be able to touch. Yeah, something really obtain uh, unobtainable. But you know, I have to say, I mean, especially you know, Omega Men number three. I mean that. I mean it's it's not dirt cheap, but I mean it's not like it's way. It's not like it's way out of league. And I mean, I know for a fact X Men number one forty one because I've had a few of them. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact even now it's not unattainable by any means. I mean, you could you could probably you know get both of those comics for what under hundred bucks. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Easy. definitely under hundred bucks. I, th I mean, I can only tell you my experience with it. Now, I don't pick them up. I, I don't pick up facts and no. unless it's something huge, you know. Now, with that Hulk one, whenever they do like a Hulk 181, an ASM 129, yeah. an X-Men 1, you know, stuff like that. Or like when up. they did um, Batman number one. Yeah, Batman 1. Yeah. Um, now, the Hulk 181, Bob, I won't lie. The first time they did the facsimile reprint on the Hulk 181, I bought 30 copies. Uh, but when I was doing my live sales... I mean, shit, I was selling this for $15 a piece where I paid uh, $2.99 for them, you know, because I got them at a discount because I, yeah. Uh, so so there was a lot of profit in that for me. And I'm sure it's the same thing for the local comic book shops. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they do well at those, you know. And my experience is there's a facsimile reprint on the table uh, over at our local comic book shop, which is Gotham City Limit in Jacksonville, Florida on Southside Boulevard. Guys, if you are looking for a facsimile reprint of Uncanny X-Men 141 or any other comic book for, for that matter, go hit up Ben, go hit up Jonathan, go hit up Ian, go hit up Pacer the Shop Dog. Um, they will get you what you are looking for, for sure, uh, over at Gotham City Limit in Jacksonville, Florida. And they're not just a comic shop. No, they're they're more than a comic book shop. They also have uh, male lingerie, and uh, they. <laughs> wow, uh, that would be <laughs> such an interesting venture. Yeah, it definitely would. Um, so make sure for all your uh, comic books and male lingerie needs, go to uh, forty one ninety five Southside Boulevard, Unit uh, one hundred four, Jacksonville, Florida three two two one six. Go to Gotham City Limit and tell them that uh, Bob and Dan from the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast sent you. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe you'll get some free male lingerie out of it. <laughs> you never know. You might, uh, you, you might get 
it looks like your head's on fire, <laughs> but hey. I think that's what we're going for at this point. You know, whatever uh, whatever we can to uh, get them look like their heads are on fire. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I, I don't know. Tell them you're getting a Bob's discount for the week. I'm sure they'll hook you up. But, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break because that is all the new comics. And then we're going to get into this new comic, Bob. We're going to be talking about Dark Horse's Lunar Lodge, number one, in just a moment. And we are back with episode number 46 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. Bob, it is time to talk about Lunar Lodge issue number one. That is why everybody's here. That's why you guys have tuned in to hear about Lunar Lodge number one. Or, I mean, maybe you were just uh, browsing comic maybe you book podcasts. Right? You wanted to hear about Mail Launch Ray. Uh, maybe uh, you're just here to hear. Two guys talking, so you can fall asleep, <laughs> unlike Bob. So <laughs> you never know what could happen around here. But um, yes, let's talk about this. Lunar Lodge number one. This is from Dark Horse Comics. This is written by... Bob, you're definitely, definitely going to have to help me with these names because mm-hmm. I've never even come close. Uh, written by Tyler someone or another. Marseka. Marseka? Okay. Tyler Marseka. Art by... Now, this one I had a little bit of problem with. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Bob's got trouble, so that's not good. I'm going to say, even though I'm probably butchering this first name, so please forgive me, Marco Kolek. Okay. Marco I, I probably just Again, I probably just butchered that, your name, <laughs> so please forgive me. Well, from this point on, I will be only referring to them by their first names because I am not going to try to uh, go into their last names. I, I, I strongly suggest you do that. Yes, uh, good good call. Now, Tyler, our, our writer of this book, this is actually his first endeavor into writing really? at all. Yes. Wow. He's not written anything else. I don't know what Tyler does, you know... He maybe he does something else besides comics and he just got into writing or, or what I'm not too sure, but this is definitely his first credit. Uh, so not much to talk about there. Now, Mirko uh, has done a few things, not not a lot to tell you the truth, but he's done some stuff. Um, his career kind of starting back in 2010 on Secret Warriors, uh, he did work on Red Skull in 2011. Uh, he was working on Punisher in 2012, Conan the Barbarian in 2013, along with Saucer Country. He did the rebooted uh, Turok Dinosaur Hunter in 2014, mm-hmm. also some work on Deadpool and Green Lantern Corps. Uh, he did the Sinestro Annual, as well as the aforementioned projects in, in 2015, then in 2016, worked on the Deathstroke Annual as well as Kingsway West 1 through 3. In 2017, started on Unholy Grail, uh, did some work on Red Hood and the Outlaws. 2018, did Uncanny X Men number one. I'm not sure if that was just a cover or not, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it was. Well, there, there was a lot of artists working on that book, so he was one of them. Also, the Brothers Drakel, if you remember that, he did that whole series. So he's, he's definitely got some credits to his name. Uh, in 2019, was working on Red Sonja. In 2021, did King in Black, uh, along with Red Sonja. Looks like he took a little break until about uh, this year, you know, where he started working on uh, 
doing some incentive work uh, over at DC, uh, doing some spawn covers and, uh, and, and then doing this book lunar lodge. So yeah, kind of all over the place. Uh, but, so but kind of a varied body of work. Yeah. Very, very varied. Yes, absolutely. So, um, say what, that five times fast. I, there's no way I can even say <laughs> five times fast, five times fast. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but Bob, let's go over the synopsis from dark horse comics. It says, Marriage ain't easy, especially when your spouse is hiding a monstrous secret. Just ask Rob Moreland. Who knows things aren't great lately with his wife Fiona, but is hoping to fix that. Until the Lunar Lodge calls him to confirm her stay, Rob decides to shadow his wife to the hotel, but what he finds reveals even more horror than he thought. Rob will soon discover there's much more to the Lunar Lodge and to his wife than meets the eye. So that is the synopsis there. Bob, of course, in normal fashion, my synopsis is much longer than that one. <laughs> I'm going to go over it really quick before we break this thing down. Hmm. Lunar Lodge opens with a room full of carnage, with disemboweled people and body parts and a chaotic bloody mess, and a woman wakes up in the center of all of it. She gets up and finds a man still alive and cries, but seemingly attacks him and lets out a... Ow. <laughs> flash over to a vet giving dogs shots he's then bitten by one and when he goes home he receives a call from a hotel confirming his wife's res reservation but finds out it's from a different hotel than what she's told him when he when she falls asleep later that night he enables tracking on her phone and then follows her to the lunar lodge he tries to book a room but they are full and he's escorted out then in another scene, the cops find an abandoned van on the road. The driver was out in the woods going to the bathroom, and the cop sends him on his way. Back to the vet, not the vet office, sorry, the vet, because I didn't have his name, which is apparently Rob by this synopsis, but back to Rob. He's having drinks at a tavern and meets a man who used to work at the lodge. The woman from the opening of the book speaks to Rob, and then he leaves, she then gets a call from the driver of the van to ensure everything is, quote, wired and primed exactly as she instructed. Over to the lodge, Rob finds a key card to a room and begins opening doors. And then the final panel is him finding his wife. So that's my synopsis. We have a lot to talk about here, Bob. There's a lot to unpack. Um, I'm going to try to keep it. As brief as possible, but I don't even know how we're going to do that here. So <laughs> um, now we're going to break this thing down like we normally do, of course. But I feel like there's more to talk about than just the story and art on this because it, this is just a mystery to me. This is a crazy book. It's uh, it, it's very crazy book. Yeah. And it, this one, I mean, I say this a lot, but this one, absolutely. I read this book three times. I did not get it I, at first. I was very confused. Um, actually, just reading that synopsis now kind of helped me after reading it three times. So <laughs> it's I, I feel like I feel like all the pieces are there. The art I really like the art and I really like the storytelling. I feel like the two were a little disconnected. Right. It, 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 that's that's the, probably the only critique I'm going to give it because I do like this a lot. But let's go into the story beats. Um, I, I truly feel like the story beats work well here. Um, again, the communication's a little weird uh, from, from art to, to story, but... 
Well, the the biggest thing as far as the story beats mm -hmm. are just... And correct me if I'm wrong, but that uh, that first part where we see the uh, inside of the, um, you know, hotel room with mm -hmm. all the gore and all that, and then... Then it just seem it just seems to you know cut to, you know the vet office with no segue or anything. So I I was just I read that part and I was just left wondering. When did this take place? Uh, mm -hmm. Compared to you know when Rob's at the vet office. I mean, is it the same day? Is it the past? Is it, you know, in the yes. future? Well, it kind of does that through the book. I feel like that's part of the disconnect. Um, because I, I felt the same way about the the cops finding the van and everything. I was like, what, what is this? Like, mm -hmm. when is this? Where is this? Right, uh, right. I almost felt like the driver was a little too similar looking to, I don't know, a couple of other people in the book to where I was like, oh, is this a character I'm supposed to know? Mm -hmm. Okay, never mind. He's a new character. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, a, a little confusing here and there, but right. uh, I, <laughs> the beats work um, once you understand what's going on. The, the beats do work. I, I, I do like them. It just plays more like a movie or something than a comic, if, if, if that makes any sense. Like, the empty space in here would work fine, like, in, in, in a movie. It does. It, it's kind of like, uh, like last week's book mm -hmm. in the cover. It, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, I, I was reading this book and I'm just like, you know, okay, I could see this on, you know, Netflix or yeah. Amazon or, uh -huh. you know, one of those streaming services. So it did. It felt like an episode in a, a TV series. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's oddly written it, or probably not written. I mean, I, I can't blame the writing. It just, it, it almost... The best way I can put it is it seems like maybe these two were like very disconnected from one another and in, in, in explaining, you know, what the what the writer wanted out of the artist or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Not sure how to convey exactly what I'm saying, but there's there's some kind of disconnect here. Um, so the narrative of the story is the thing I'm going to have the biggest problem with. Um, again, it's so disconnected. Uh, I don't understand enough and, and to have to read something three times. And then still a synopsis helped me out and everything. Uh, I, I feel like if, if I don't learn the characters' names, I didn't know that the wife's name was Fiona. I didn't know that his name was Rob. Now, a couple of times, I think Rob or somebody else said Fee um, as like a nickname. And I guess that was Fiona's nickname. Okay, yeah, good. But I never even got a real name. Um, so, right. And I didn't know who he was referencing. It was that was confusing. So the narrative of this book is is very confusing to me. Yeah, um, the, the the narrative for me was disjointed. Very. I, mean, I know exactly where it was, you know, going. You know, mm -hmm. I could follow the whole. You know, he's suspicious about his wife yeah, and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. But it's kind of like it, it, it. It's kind of like, you know, I'm sorry, and we we get that we get that you know in panel. Mm -hmm. end panel sorry that's words are hard <laughs> we get that end panel where you know she's you know in the cell mm -hmm. underneath the lunar lodge and it's it's kind of like what was she doing to possibly i mean what was she yeah i mean 
the book, I mean, I'm sure it's going to expand on it. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, if, if we go forward with this book. But there's no hint as to, you know, why she could, what she was up to. There's no, there was no hint as to why, you know, that van and why that lady was talking to Rob. You know, mm-hmm. if Rob has an importance, what she was talking about, wired and primed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get to understand that they may, they're probably going to expound upon that in the lighter issues, but it's kind of like, just put some breadcrumbs down. Yeah, we need a little bit more to, to understand bit, what's going uh, just on. A, I mean, you don't, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to explain everything in one issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if you did, then, I mean, there'd be no need for... To go forward on, and every comic would be a one shot. Yeah. But at least put a little bit of breadcrumb down to where the reader, you know, gets satiated enough to where it's like, oh, I want more. Mm-hmm. I want to see what happens. Yeah, and and I like that you point that out because I I would like to say you know and and nothing against this creative team. I I th- I, I do think this is done well. Um, you know, aside from those few problems that we're having, but uh. You know, take somebody, take some great storytellers, even like in the indie world, you know, somebody like you have it open to a to an ad for uh, Tyler Crook's The Lonesome Hunters. I mean, think of something like that. I mean, that is put together so well. It's communicated to the reader so well what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Crook really lays it out. He's a master storyteller. And I know he's making his own notes for the art and everything. So it, it better be, you know, not disjointed. But... That's a perfect example of, of something, you know, where they're not having to take any direction from anybody else. They're putting out their own product and doing their own thing, but it, it makes a lot of sense. It all flows narratively together very, very well, and you can follow everything that's going on. And, like, there might be threads left out, but you understand where the threads came from right. uh, and what to tie them to later and everything. This is a little too confusing for something like the, it this. Is, it is. It, it, it is. I would have liked a little more substance mm-hmm. in this first issue. You know, I mean, give again, like I said, just a, just enough, you know, backstory on everything. Yeah, we need we need a tiny bit more. Now, I should have known that the the vet's name was Rob. Without reading that synopsis, I should have known his wife's name was Fiona. I kind of wish that I knew a little bit more about the guy driving the van. Definitely mm-hmm. wish I knew more about the lady who. Right. Uh, you know, he called and everything. Now, I'm. Is it the same lady as the one in the beginning? I feel like it is, but maybe that, it's not. <laughs> that that I that I had such a big problem with. It's like they introduced Fiona, mm-hmm. and they introduced that woman in the bar, and it's kind of like, wait a minute, which one was? What about the woman from the very beginning? I mean, which yep. one was she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a little, it's a little too confusing. Yeah, uh, can't lie there, but. How about the dialogue now? And when we talk about the dialogue, I think we should just talk about the dialogue that's there. You know, obviously we have our problems with the, the narrative. Yeah, and this just really isn't this, a. This really is not a dialogue-heavy book. Oh, not at all. Yeah, this. I you will you will rarely rarely ever hear me say this, but I think it could have used a little bit more dialogue. Yeah. I I think it could have you know helped us get to know the characters a little bit better, uh, get to know what's going on and everything. I, I think I think it could have. And you will never hear me say this. 
I think it could use a little bit of exposition. Oh yeah, <laughs> exposition. A dump would have been fine in this book. I think we needed one. Uh, you know, for um, for all the times that you know we we say there's too much dialogue in a book or exposition dumps or whatever, um, they are. You know, sometimes that stuff is needed. Um, if if you, if you if you have like a you know something that's like a little convoluted or disjointed or whatever, that's what it's for. So. I would say the dialogues, sorry, the dialogue that's there is fine. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I'm with you. It could have used more. It could have used more exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm still having a problem with with things like character names. So there should have been some more yeah. of that. I mean, we've got the friend. Here, here's a, a good example I could say with the dialogue, in my opinion. Now, whenever Rob tracks his wife and gets there to the Lunar Lodge, he's got a friend with him. And the friend uh, says something about you know, first day jitters or something and throws up or something like that. Who the hell was that friend? Where did he go? Did he ever pop up in the book again? I don't think so. I don't remember ever seeing that guy again. Um, but uh, first day jitters for what? What are we talking about? What is going on here? That is a little too confusing. It seems like something got left on the cutting room floor and that's where we could have used a little bit more dialogue for a little bit more exposition. So the dialogue that's there is fine. There wasn't enough of it. it was not enough exposition. What about the world building? Did they at least pull it off in the world building here? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought the world building was fine. Yeah, was, I, I like the world building too. A little bit of too. location they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're, they're uh, I don't know, they're, they're verbally, uh, <laughs> sorry, not verbally, they're, it's nice. But yeah, this is an art-heavy book. This is mm-hmm. relies a lot on the art, uh, more so than the dialogue or storytelling, really. So, um the places that they are, where they go, all of that, it's fleshed out enough. The world is built well enough. So moving on over to the art, Mirko, I think was the name. Um, how about the characters? How about the character designs of everybody here? Uh, how, how did you feel about that? I think, I think the characters could have done with, you know, a little more detail so you'd be able to tell them apart easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, again... You know, I just I just talked about the woman in the beginning and the fact that they also introduced two other women. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know who's who. Yeah, I'm I'm having the same problem, and and we talked about this already. But I, is is the woman at the beginning the same woman at the end? I really don't know. Uh, and I, the first time I read this book, I almost thought, well, is that his wife and a and a different? You know, is she like a werewolf? Uh, out here werewolfing and then this is what she looks like when she's real primal and everything and then she goes home and she's more normal or whatever yeah in in i mean you just said that you know you thought the driver was rob yeah <laughs> yeah i definitely did i mean that that says something right there now i'll give it this though uh to just critique it as art itself, I think that it's... I like the art style. Yeah, the art style is really cool. I like the art style. I like the characters. Now, I agree with you. They look too similar to one another, and they don't have names and everything, so that makes mm-hmm. it a little too confusing. Mm-hmm. But the designs are there. They they look great. Yeah. This could have just taken like a little bit more direction, like a writing or something, in my opinion. But, but the... The art, the character designs and everything do look wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. How about the backgrounds? Uh, the 
the, I mean, the backgrounds for me, they do their job, and you know, yeah. I'm not hard to please on backgrounds. Yeah, they're solid. Backgrounds they, work. For they me. look good. Um, there's there's stuff going on where there needs to be stuff going on. There's it's, it's more solid color where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I will, and I hate to to bring out more bad here, but I will say that sometimes whenever we kind of zoom in on like an important piece of of something like there, you have it open to the scene where um, Rob is at home and he sees the note left on the refrigerator saying where she's going to be and all that. I I really don't like that. Like as I feel like we could have gotten exposition as opposed to like a note or something like the note thing, the way the note thing is written. Like I'm just not a huge fan of, it doesn't look <clears throat> realistic to me and it doesn't fit the art because the rest of the art looks great. And then that looks like, I don't know, like a font from a computer or something. I'm not really into it, but uh, how about the locations? You know, we talked about the world building, the storytelling, uh, and, and we liked that. So how about the locations here? We have that first uh, in, we have the, of course, uh, Rob's office or veterinarian practice or whatever. We've got the Lunar Lodge. We've got the, the tavern. Um, I, I'm i going to say I think the locations look great. They, they look outstanding. They look oh, yeah, really I'm fine with the locations. And, and then... Uh, you know, last but not least, the colors. We do have a separate colorist here, uh, Francesca Valadai. That's what Valenza. I'll say. Oh, Valenza. Okay, sorry. Uh, wait, what? Say the name again. Uh, Brian Valenza on colors. Really? Yes. Oh well, I have a completely different name here. Wow, weird. Who do you have? I don't know, uh, Francisca something. Inside of the book has a different name, so okay, my apologies. Um, but yeah, I, I think the colors work really, really well. There's a there's a nice palette here, and it it transitions back and forth from you know uh, something like the scenes of carnage to to you know happy daytime to kind of overcast to you know a dimly lit veterinarian's office to inside of a house. You know the 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 color palette really works for the scenes that they're in. When they're there, um, yeah, I, I think the colors look great. They look great with the art too. They complement one another very, very well. Uh, if you have any other notes on the on the colors, yeah, I mean the the, the colors do their job for me. Mm-hmm. I mean they're not totally muted, but I mean they're muted enough. Yeah, the the palette's really nice here. I'm gonna say this, Bob, because of course we're gonna have to get into you know whether we suggest the book or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's hard. Yeah. This is a hard one. I don't feel like, you know, something like the book we covered last week was very hard to to say, you know, it really wasn't my thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I like this book. For all the stuff that we've said about it so far, it probably makes it sound like, you know, I wasn't a fan. I, I think that there is a place out there for everybody. And I think, you know, if this is the writer's first book and first uh, foray into comic book writing... I want to see this writer do more and I want to see him do well. And, mm-hmm. and I think that he has a lot of potential in the future ahead of him. I love horror stuff. I love uh, werewolves. I love indie horror comics. Uh, so I'm already, you know, a cheerleader for this. But I like this story. I like the story that they're telling. I'm just confused by it. I think, you know, most of the time, uh, Dark Horse minis are about four issues. I think that he can really pull this off in four issues, even with, you know, what he's got going on right now. 
I have enough faith in this where I think all of the loose threads are going to be tied together by the end and I'm going to really like the story and it's going to be compelling and everything. And, and I'm into that. So it's, it's, it's confusing. It's a confusing answer, you know, to hear me critique it the way that I did before Mm -hmm. and then say that I do suggest, uh, adding it to your pool and do suggest reading issue number two, because I do, I'm, I'm excited to read issue number two and see where this goes. It's definitely not firing on all cylinders for me. And, and I think that was pretty clear in our breakdown of it, but I do think that it has somewhere to go. And, and I think that it will get there. See, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of like you. I mean, for all the, you know, negative stuff I said, I mean, you know, and you said it, I do think this is a really good, you know, first foray mm-hmm. into comics. Yep. And to me, you know, I'm, I'm also like you, I don't think this first issue fires on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. But I do want I do kind of want to see where this book goes because it ends with a cliffhanger. Yep. And I have to say, I'm more inclined to read books that end on you know, cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, we already reviewed a book like this that wasn't firing on all cylinders. I yes. mean, we, <laughs> when we reviewed uh, Sirens of the City mm-hmm. earlier in the year, I mean, you basically said the same, we basically said the same thing about the first issue. Yes. But, and I don't know if you have in particular, but I, you know, continued on with that yes. series. Mm-hmm. And I am highly impressed on how it went from the first issue to where it just, you know, did too much in the first issue, focused on, you know, much more than it should have, to how it focused itself on, you know, on maybe a small space and just how well it's come along. So I am going to recommend, you know, the second issue. Now, that being said... If the second issue just seems, you know, the same as the first issue, where it doesn't, uh, where it doesn't, you know, concise itself, then, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go on to the third, but I'm interested as of right now, where is this thing going? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and I think that that was well said, uh, just like you pointed out. We had issues with Sirens of the City. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't working, but it was intriguing. Right. I feel like this is the same thing. I don't feel like this is as disjointed. This just no, this just leaves a lot on the table mm-hmm. um, to be explained, I guess, in the issue. But with that being said, you know, like you said, you pick up issue number two, number three of Sirens of the City. It's like you're reading a different book. Right. It's like they. They knew, you know, hey, it's time to zero in on some of this and and get some of this explained, you know, visit the world that we've, uh, you know, built and and all of that. And I think, yeah, you're right. This has the opportunity to do that as well. Maybe this is a a very driven in the later half of the uh, of the series. Um, Maybe it picks up a lot more in the middle. I'm not too sure. And. Knowing that, you know, I've never uh, written a comic book and have had it published. Uh, I don't know. I mean, um, I'm excited to see what the future is for this creative team. Right. My main critique is I would like to see... Uh, I, I would like to feel like they work together a little better than they do here. 
but maybe we'll see that, you know, maybe over corresponding, you know, over time or whatever, uh, the team tightens up a little bit. I'm not too sure, but you heard it here. I mean, that is a recommend from Bob and I. It's a very weird recommend. Um, yeah. But I mean, shit, in a, a year of podcasting, uh, you know, and talking about first issue comic books and, you know, you guys have been great. The community's been awesome. Everybody listening, downloading, watching on YouTube, whatever, um, following us along the way. Uh, you guys are listening to us talk about these comic books and I guess, you know, hopefully you trust us now or whatever, but you know, this is a, this is a different review for us. This is a different, you know, usually it's a lot more black and white. This is in that gray area. Yeah, this, this one is way more gray than what <laughs> yeah, we usually do. Definitely. Um, and, and I don't like to do that, but I mean, we can only work with, you know, what we're, what we're given. So, um, so in a weird roundabout gray area way, yeah, definitely add this to your pool and check it out. Uh, and, and, and I really hope that I hear more from Tyler and Mirko. Uh, and, and I hope the next issue is awesome is all I can say. <laughs> so with that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we'll return to talk about some new comics that are dropping in your local comic book shops next week. back with episode number 46 of the all new all different number one comics podcast bob let's talk about some new comic books that are coming out next week in local comic book shops let's do that. but first as always yes it's now disclaimer time it's now disclaimer time with bob man you really make it sound like peewee's place <laughs> Um, just like I always say, I mean, this list is just a few of the uh, comics that are hopefully, hopefully <laughs> in quotations, yes. coming out this week and don't have a two-week delay. You know, we still haven't even got Nadia and the Nanobots. I like, know. Which, what, that was like a month ago where we yeah. covered that book? Yeah, Man. for the most part. So, <laughs> yes, if you want a more in-depth list, please consult us where, consult your local comic shop, you know. I mean, ask them nicely, maybe they'll read you, you know, every single comic that may or may not be coming out. They definitely will, and like Bob said, I mean, if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, all you gotta do is hit up Gotham City Limit, tell Ben, you wanna know every single book that's coming out for the rest of the year, why not? Sure. They may sell you some lingerie <laughs> from the back, who hey, knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, starting off the list from Marvel, we are getting Howard the Duck number one, one shot... Yes, very, very excited about this one. Um, it's a 50th anniversary for Howard the Duck. So Howard the Duck is 10 years older than me, Bob, but it's also got the first appearance of Peeper, an all-seeing cosmic entity. So basically, is that like the Watcher adjacent? <laughs> I guess because so. Technically, isn't that the Watcher? Yeah, just doesn't have the same name, kind of. Mm, that's true. <laughs> um, from Image Comics, we're getting... Crave number one. Bob, I was just telling you how excited I am about this book. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the synopsis for it in front of me, but I do want to um, pull that up really quick because I just want to tell everybody out there how cool this book is and how excited I am about it. So Crave is a... First off, it's by... Uh, sorry, Maria Lovett, I think is her name. Um... It's a mysterious app that promises to make your desires come true 
and it spreads among the students of an elite university who use it as a hookup app. David, a top student, engages in a game of seduction with the unobtainable Alexandria. But as requests to the app escalate and wreak havoc on campus, David and his friends' only chance to stop this spiral is to find out what really lies behind Crave. And the synopsis doesn't make it sound as cool as, like, I'm telling you, look up some previews or whatever you can for this book. It sounds insane. This book sounds crazy. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, From Scout Comics, we have Vectors number one. Speaking of books that may or may not come out, yeah, Vectors number one. Looks like a space book. Uh, I don't know. Could be cool. We'll find out. Um, Going back to Marvel, we have Luke Cage Gang War number one. Yeah, uh, we're getting the gang war. The gang war is happening. Uh, Luke Cage is part of it. It's a four-issue tie-in. Yeah. Is he still mayor? <laughs> yeah, I think so, right? Mm. Uh, sticking with Marvel, we have X-Men Blue Origins number one. This one's got the origin of Nightcrawler in it, so that could be a lot of fun. So will they all be one-shots? I'm not too sure if they're going to be one-shots or not. Hmm. Uh, we have, um, we have, speaking of gang war, Amazing Spider-Man Gang War First Strike number one. Yeah, this one's a tie-in and it's a one-shot. Yes. Uh, we have Titans Beast World number one. Yeah, speaking of events, uh, this is DC's event going on right now. This is uh, about uh, humanity surviving an all-powerful heroes and villains transformed into ferocious beasts. Can humanity survive those things? So uh, I guess the uh, power that that uh, enables Beast Boy is, is broken out into the rest of the universe, and, and we'll see. So I, uh, I don't know. Uh, to stop this list for a second, because <laughs> this book just reminded me of something. I don't know if you saw the... Um, the movie that came out a few years back, what was it? Um, was it Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? It was an animated movie. I did not see that. came out a few years ago. Mm. But I do, I do remember that movie. There was a, a plot point where, um, you know, uh, some of the, um, or the villains in Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. were turned into animals. Like oh, wow. Joker was turned into King Cobra. <laughs> you know, Harley Quinn was turned into a hyena. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Penguin was turned into a penguin. Yes. Uh, I can't remember exactly what else, but just reading the synopsis for that book, it just reminded me of that. Huh. I, I, just, had to, I just had to express that. Interesting. Uh, we're getting Penguin number four. Yeah, Bob, I haven't been following the Penguin. I bought the first issue, I didn't read it, and I... Uh, I, I probably won't read this, but um, yeah, this has the first appearance or reintroduction of Lisa St. Clair, a female, or sorry, a femme fatale from Cobblepot's past. And a character named Lisa St. Clair was featured in a arc of Young Love issues 68 through 78. Yeah, so, because uh, I mean, everybody remembers reading that. <laughs> Absolutely. Who didn't <laughs> read Young Love? <laughs> Uh, we have Doom Patrol number 99, a facsimile cover. Speaking of facsimiles, yeah, this is a reprint of Doom Patrol 99, the first appearance of Beast Boy. So a very timely book for the event happening now. 
And of course, uh, we had un- we had Uncanny X Men number one forty one facsimile come out this past week. Yep. Now we have the facsimile of Uncanny X Men number one forty two. That's right. Get your own copy um, because, as we all know, in that issue everybody died, and that was the end of the X Men, and we didn't get any more issues after that one. <laughs> so, I mean, if any you know facsimile to pick up, you definitely want the one where all the X Men are killed; they never come back again. So definitely pick that one up. I mean, um, I mean, we did get giant size X Men because of it. <laughs> yeah, true. So I mean, maybe there was a reason. <laughs> uh, we have Batman eighty nine Echoes number one. Yeah, what's going on with this, Bob? We're getting a Batman 89 like spinoff. This is written by Sam Hamm, the screenwriter of the 1989 Batman film. Could be cool. Yeah. And finally, we have Power Girl number three. And this one's got a possible first appearance of Symbio. My favorite possible first appearance. Possible first appearance reintroduction it's either an in, uh, it's either a reintroduction <laughs> it's one or the other damn or it's not a reintroduction it's either a first appearance or it's not a first appearance now i will give the power girl book this uh, mm-hmm. this one is worth it for the cover alone um, that is a damn cool cover it is it's got power girl with this uh, lion uh, on top of her and half of his face is missing uh, it's a cool cover it is a cool very cover. nicely done um, so I will be picking up that one I doubt if I'll, I'll ever read it but I'll definitely picking be up picking 50 up. issues of it oh god no just the one but you know <laughs> I mean it might be impossible first <laughs> well Symbio is getting their own franchise soon so uh, it might be worth a worth a pick up Bob it's time to head on over to the lovely wheelofnames.com. Of course, our uh, pick of uh, most eligible uh, <laughs> internet wheels um, that we spin. You know, uh, of course, we love wheelofnames.com, not sponsored by, but we could be bought off very, very easily, just so you guys know. If you're going to pick a wheel, <laughs> make it wheelofnames.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, We've got three books on the board. Of course, Spider-Woman, number one, Crave, number one, and Basic Instinct, number one. Bob, let's see where the wheel lands for this week. Looks like next week, Bob, we'll be covering Basic Instinct, number one. That's going to be a lot of fun, Bob. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm, 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 I'm sitting here crossing both fingers. Yes, fingers are crossed. Uh, if you guys out there don't mind crossing your fingers for us, we'd greatly appreciate it because we'd love to have a good please, book please, to talk please about do this. this. This sounds like such an interesting book. <laughs> please be good uh, is all we can say. Bob, that about wraps up the show, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Of course... You can check us out on social media. We're on Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. We're on X at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod and on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod. You can also check us out on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week, we love to give away a copy of the book that we just read. This week being Lunar Lodge number one. All you need to do is go on to social media of your choice and use the hashtag all new, all different nation to be entered in the giveaway. Just create a post, use that hashtag. Bob and I will scour the entire internet and find it. 
and we'll enter you in a randomized drawing uh, maybe here on wheelofnames.com. Who knows? Uh, only one way to find out. But thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Yeah.